Cashflow Ninja episode 205 with Jeremy Roll. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at how to create a powerful network to drive your passive income. Joining me in this episode is returning guest Jeremy Roll. Jeremy has been an active real estate and business investor for over 15 years who left the corporate world in 2007 to become a full-time passive cashflow investor. He is currently an investor in more than 70 opportunities across over $500 million worth of real estate and business assets. As founder and president of Roll Investment Group, Jeremy manages a group of over 1,000 investors in the United States and Canada who seek passive managed investments in real estate and businesses. Jeremy also co-founded Four Investors by Investors, a nonprofit organization in 2007 with a goal of networking with with, learning from, and helping other investors. For Investors by Investors is now the largest group of public real estate investor meetings in California with over 23,000 members. Jeremy is also an advisor for Realty Mogul, the largest real estate crowdfunding website in the United States. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobster or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. To ensure that you never miss one of our episodes, you can download our free interactive smartphone apps on the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page where previous guests connect with listeners and you get to access a community of people that are on the same journey as you are, where you can network, share information and ideas, and possibly find a partner for your next business and deal. When you do become a patron, I will also send you a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at Cashflow ninja.com forward slash support my friend dave zook says you can be conventional or you can be wealthy but you need to pick one at the real asset investor dave and his company create value for investors looking for higher yield returns from real estate ventures domestically and internationally to learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the real asset investor offers such as the syndication opportunity at mahogany bay village in belize or investment opportunities in the multifamily space in the U.S., visit CashflowNinja.com forward slash real asset investor. Gelt Inc. is a multifamily syndicator which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Gelt provides its investors with significant cash-on-cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. You can reach out to Joss Satin at joss at geltinc.com to learn more. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? 
Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at joinopsproperties.com. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRAs within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches, you have to watch the private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. On the Cashflow Ninja podcast is returning guest, Jeremy Roll. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to be back. No, absolutely. Had a blast connecting. So honored to have you back onto the show. And what a topic we have today, an extremely, extremely important one uh, to cover, which uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your ideas and, and your journey uh, around this concept and topic. And that is uh, growing your network and networking, uh, which ties into the relationship capital. And I've spoken on the show before of how do I had a mentor of mine uh, basically teach me of how to solve any problem that's out there uh, through two strategies. Um, and the one first is the mental capital, right? Learning a new skill to solve the problem. And uh, if the skill is uh, at such a level, for instance, if I have to perform knee surgery on myself, well, it's going to take me four years to do that. And then even more practical, right? Who do I know and uh, ties into my relationship uh, and the networking. And this, this has been a great asset of yours um, as a passive income investor in real estate. So, Jeremy, how has networking helped you in real estate investing? Yeah, I would say that when you're looking to invest passively, networking is possibly one of the most important things. And the reason is because although we have crowdfunding and the advent is some new laws that allow for more public marketing of these types of opportunities that I invest in, I'd say still the vast majority of them, say 90% plus, are still considered private. What I mean by that is that the operators or the sponsors are not allowed to actually advertise them. They're not allowed to actually send them out publicly. They're not even allowed to discuss an open opportunity publicly. And so the way you have to find them and the way it was when I first started, especially before all these new crowdfunding laws came into effect, is that you have to network to find the opportunities. You literally had to find it through someone, whether it's directly through the sponsor or a friend of yours that was investing or a friend of yours that found it. So it's uh, it really came down to networking. So I've, I've been investing in passive opportunities in real estate and some other things too, mostly commercial real estate since 2002. So 15 years. And that means just a lot of networking over a lot of years to find the opportunity. So for me, honestly, if networking wasn't a part of my strategy, I'd be limited to the crowdfunding sites and um, there's nothing wrong with them. I'm an advisor for Realty Mogul. I think they're great. I think a lot of the platforms are good, but you're definitely limiting your scope to a very small subset of the opportunities if you don't include networking, which is actually where you get most of the opportunities. So really, you can't really do it to get access to mo- You can't get access to most of the opportunities unless you actually network. No, absolutely. Now, can you give me an example uh, of in your, in your, on your journey uh, of how you found a real estate opportunity in which you invested in uh, through networking with other uh, folks? Yeah, well, the truth is, is that I can actually trace back pretty much any opportunity I've invested into networking for the same reason I mentioned. Um, So uh, let me give you one example that comes to mind. Um, 
I um, uh, met at a real estate event, uh, fairly large one in LA. There's a lot of real estate networking events. There's a lot of real estate educational events. I met met someone back in 2000, probably about five or six, um, who had a booth at one of those events. Now, honestly, I'm really kind of turned off by sales pitches. So that, that that kind of thing's not for me. But I was just going by the booths anyway, just to see what was going on, to see if there was a random person I want to talk to. So I got to know this one guy who um, was investing in single family homes in Memphis. And um, long story short, I became friends with him, uh, invested with him. And he eventually referred me to someone he met. So I'm located in Los Angeles. He went to a networking event in San Diego. He met somebody there who was buying mobile home parks. I realize mobile home parks is not for everyone who's listening to this, but it's a great asset class, very stable for cash flow if, if you're into that and you're open to it. But in any event, um, he met someone in San Diego. That person um, is who I, he connected me with that person. I've now invested with that person in their last six funds, and they've become the number five owner of mobile home parks in the U.S. So not only was networking required for me to have found the opportunity to begin with, networking required for that person to find the opportunity, right? So it's like two right. sets of networking have to happen. The stars have to align. And I'm now invested in six of those funds. They've been fantastically performing. And I, it's, I got an exposure to a very important asset class from my perspective, to, with, who turned out to be a huge operator, which wasn't at the time. So all of these great benefits. By the way, I have actually met other investors through that operator. Um, in terms of uh, networking with other investors to find other opportunities. He's referred me to many other investors. I referred other investors to him. So it, if you kind of drew it out on a chart, I mean, we'd be going on for quite a while with various connections just because it is one connection to start. Um, and that's really the power of networking right there as a good example. Exactly. And then through them, you've met other uh, investors and other uh, contacts and continue to to grow and grow your network. Now, Jeremy, you're the co-founder uh, of four investors by investors, FIBI, a nonprofit networking group that's now the largest series of public investors um, meetings in California. Uh, can can you tell me and share with my listeners why you started that, how you managed to grow it, uh, and how uh, it helped you build your network? Yeah, sure. So just to clarify, four investors by investors, FIBI, which I was one of the two co-founders as we started in 2007 is I'd say the largest series of, of public real estate investor meetings in California, not just at, not investor meetings in general. Okay. Um, and so um, it's funny. I thought about it. Um, the reason why I, I co-founded that is because between 02 and 07, when I was going to all these networking events, trying to find opportunities, the challenge I had is, as an individual is I go to an event and often to be a sales pitch. And essentially they were selling books, tape seminars, and so what would happen is that I'd have to sit through a sales pitch I didn't really want to be in. And by the way, some of those sales pitches had great educational information. Some of them didn't. So some of them were worthwhile. Some of them weren't. They're not all bad. But um, I had to sit through this two-hour sales pitch just to be able to do networking at, at the end with the people in the room that I was there for. So I would actually sit in the back row, uh, bring uh, some stuff to do work with, literally not even listen to the sales pitch. And what happened is that once I got out of the corporate world in 2007, which I managed to do from the cash flow that I, you know, the investments from the cash flow that I had generated, um, I was sitting in one of these meetings. I remember the first one I went to, once I left the corporate world, I had no more job. And I sat there for two hours and I said, okay, now I have a problem. I literally don't have work to do for two hours. I got to sit through the sales pitch now. And that's a really big waste of time. So I said, why am I wasting two hours here? Where can I just start my own meetings where there is no sales pitch? And we, you know, the goal is to unite investors, break even on the cost of the venue that we're going to rent and learn from other investors, exchange information, find opportunities. So that's originally why it started. 
Um, it really wasn't, it was to facilitate my networking. So I didn't have to sit through a sales pitch to get the networking, but it wasn't with the bigger, you know, it wasn't, I didn't start it with the hope of growing it to as big as it came. It started for that specific reason. Um, and now we have over 25,000 uh, members. Um, you know, we're still nonprofit. We actually lose money off of it every year, but the networking I've gotten from it has been invaluable. I'm very lucky. I'm one of two co-founders. So it's created a really, I'm kind of the, the hub of this big network that's kind of formed. Um, but, you know, it's truly changed my life as far as networking, finding more opportunities, meeting great people um, all around. So that's kind of the story behind uh, FIBI. FIBI is mostly located in Southern California. We have chapters all across Southern California. We have a couple out of state, but we keep it mostly local because we like to keep it to, um, to chapter leaders that we know really well because we're trusting them with our brand that they won't sell anything. So that's our big core foundation. What were stra- some of the strategies that you used to grow this? Was this something that grew by word of mouth because there were other folks that found themselves in a similar situation like you did where, gee, you know, I want to go out and I want to meet folks, like-minded folks and investors, and I don't really want to sit through a two-hour presentation. Um, was it some, some of uh, the word of mouth or what was some of the other success uh, of this growth that you had? Yeah, the way that it grew, you got to remember when I first started this, I mean, just to, just so you could picture it properly, the first meeting I ever had was in a Starbucks and three other people attended, you know, aside from me. Actually, a great networking story I could tell you as an aside about that, you know, if we have time. But bottom yeah. line into that, this started off small. Then I ended up renting a conference room in an office space and then it kind of grew from there. But my point here is that it grew very organically. So when we first launched it, people were really skeptical. The sales pitch phenomenon was so prolific, especially leading up to 2007, that which is just when we started it, that um, people really didn't believe that we were in it for with, with, without any sales pitch. And actually, I had come, plenty of people come up to me after the end of the meeting. And our, our initial meetings were kind of roundtable around a conference room, maybe up to 30 people, say. And people would come up to me and say, why are you doing this? What, why are you taking the time to do this? I had many people, like tens of people, ask me this question over time. And I'd say to them, it's, just, it's all for the networking. And I think those people didn't understand the power of the networking and the long-term thought process, which I think a lot of people tend to lose sight of that. Um, and so it's the idea that you go to an event. One event, you may yield nothing from a networking perspective. The next event, what you may yield a ton of different really good connections. And so you have to kind of have that faith that they're just throwing it up against the wall and see what sticks each time. A lot of people I don't think really understood that or weren't willing to have that philosophy. In any event, we grew organically. And what would happen is that I started managing three different meetings myself each month. And then my partner managed one or two meetings. And eventually we met people who came to enough of our meetings. They said, you know, I understand why you're doing this. I understand the networking of benefit um, for the time that I'm going to put in, but with no sales pitch, I want to start my own chapter. And we eventually started to allow people to start chapters very carefully because our brand was all about the no sales pitch from a networking perspective. And it grew organically, but our growth has been purposely, uh, first of all, we never put any money into growing it because that, that, you know, we want to reach as many people as possible, but this wasn't meant to be a profitable business. Um, number two is that we're very, very selective with the chapter leaders that we choose because we give them access to our brand so that they can leverage the brand to attract people to come very quickly to help them ramp up. But ultimately, it's going to be the management, how they manage the meeting, how they have no sales pitch. It's really going to allow them to be a successful chapter from a networking and growing perspective. So, so that's how it started. It was very organic, very skeptical. We just kind of kept at it with persistence. People saw that we were for real as they came a few times, saw that we weren't pitching anything, um, liked the concept. 
and then told other friends and it grew from there. We used meetup.com, which back then was pretty early on, but it was still a great platform and had enough access to people that we were able to get a small critical mass coming each time. Today, I think people have more of an advantage with the online aspect where they can reach more people to come more quickly and really ramp up a meeting more easily. Um, But it was a bit more of a challenge back then. So that's just some of the story behind it. Um, And we continue to grow, you know, organically, slowly. We don't invest any money in marketing. Um, You know, it's just purposely kind of grown slowly over time. What were some of the formats that you used in your discussion uh, in this meetings? Um, and I'm very, very uh, intrigued about the Starbucks story that tied in there too, when you said I yes. write networking story for you. But yes. uh, what were some of the formats? So someone would come out to the meeting uh, and uh, you would obviously lead the forum. Uh, explain a little bit more about that. So um, originally the format was so small that we had roundtable meetings and there were some, there's some great advantages to having roundtable meetings. It's, it's very cozy. You really get to know people. Everyone gets to participate. And I think people probably feel more inclined to participate because they're not having to ask a question in front of a hundred people. So we started with that. And essentially I started off doing a macroeconomic meeting just to keep on top of what's going on with the economy as it relates to real estate. Um, Did a commercial real estate passive investors meeting and then I had another meeting, which, uh, my God, it was so long ago, I might remember what it was. There was a rotation I had. And they're all real estate related, essentially. And what I would do is I would start off by um, one of our meetings, um, the macroeconomic meeting. I would actually come with over 100 pages for each person, photocopied that I did myself with my own printer at home, um, just to give you a sense of the amount of work I put into this. And um, I would put things into categories of discussion. So there would be the U.S. dollar oil, there would be general economy, there'd be inflation, there'd be real estate, and there'd be other things that I'd actually put in a specific order. These are from the articles that I read every day. I'd print them as I read them. And then I'd sort them at the end of the month, kind of make a story of what was going on. And the focus would be on the raw data, getting, you know, getting out of the weeds of the media, getting as much raw data as possible. And so we would actually go through, we'd start a discussion, um, find out if anyone had any specific topics they wanted to discuss first, do introductions, we had enough time so each person could introduce himself real quick from a networking perspective. And then we'd go into these articles we discussed for an hour or two where I'd actually, you know, bring up an article, mention what I found it in, interesting in it, um, and then people would kind of chime in and give their own opinion about that particular topic. So that was one meeting as an example. But the meetings I had were originally roundtable. What happened is that as a brand grew and our meetings grew, we, we outgrew the roundtable. So then we had a choice. We can either do single speaker meetings or panel discussions. Those are the two most common. Those are the ones we have now. We can't really do a small meeting anymore. We have too many people attending across all the chapters. So um, there's definitely pros and cons to doing a panel format and pros and cons to doing a single uh, you know, person uh, speaker. Um, in those meetings, often what we do is for the first few minutes, we'll kind of share what FIBI is for the new attendees. The meetings that we have less than 50 people, sometimes I'll actually let every single person introduce themselves in the audience um, just because the networking is so important. At sometimes to make it quicker, we might say, okay, show of hands, who here is looking for opportunities? Who here has money, you know, who has money to invest in opportunities? Who's looking for that? We maybe go through five categories and that already facilitates the networking for after the fact because we're really trying to help with the networking. After that, we'll typically get into the panel or speaker for an hour or two and they'll have questions at the end, very common formats. So those are the formats we have now. But we started off as roundtables uh, and really tried to facilitate discussion. The challenge, if anyone's thinking of starting this themselves, the big challenge is you have to come with enough content to cover, cover a couple hours every month. Because what I found is that you may have one or two more outgoing people who attend a meeting. Um, but the bottom line is, is that you can't count on people speaking up. A lot of them are shy sometimes, right? So it depends on right. the dynamics of the room. But you have to have the backup content. 
you're not going to have anything to talk about. So that's really key in that type of a format. Absolutely. Now, you'd mentioned there was an interesting story you had to share uh, yes. from the beginnings and, and uh, when you guys met up at, at Starbucks. Uh, can you share that with my listeners? Yeah, I think it's really worth sharing. Just it goes to show you, like, putting the faith out there and networking, you never know what's going to happen, right? So I had my first meeting at Starbucks on Meetup, have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I don't remember how many RSPs we had. So three other people show up. One person was selling books and tapes and, you know, for real estate and was just not the type of person I was hoping would come. Um, the next person was flipping homes and they were looking for borrowers to flip homes. So long story short is, you know, that's back in 07. I still invest with this person today. Um, I'm very picky and people who know me know that I'm very, very thorough. And I got, I, it was, I've done a number of flips with them over the years, which has been fantastic because I do flip with very few people directly. Um, and then, uh, my, my really, my great find at that meeting was, um, an ATM person who had an ATM business who had about 25 machines at the time was kind of tapped out of investors looking for more investors. I did my research on him, found that I definitely liked what he was doing, got in a very good timing when they were ramping up. And long story short is that I've been investing with him for 10 years as well. And, you know, I've averaged roughly about 36 to 38% annualized with that person. Okay. Today. Wow. And wow. so it's actually one of my favorite investments. I get cash flow monthly. It's extremely transparent. I can log in. I, have a, I personally have a portfolio of over 40 machines with them now. I can log in and look at all my transactions real time. It's very transparent. And had I not um, both started my own meeting, but even more importantly, you know, a lot of people would have seen that there were three other people coming to Starbucks and said, I'm not going to waste my time for two hours. Right. They would have said, right. I want at least 10 people, 20 people. I understand that. They want some probability of success. But you know, I, I'm a very persistent person, went there anyway, and I was two for three on that night, which is just, it still blows me away that that happened because I'm really picky <laughs> with who I invested. But it's an important story to share because, you know, any event you go to, you never know who you're going to find. The meeting that I told you about where I found the mobile home park people, not the right meeting for me. It was a, there was a pitch fest. There were 400 people who showed, great organizer, biggest meeting in LA. I went because of the critical mass, but I knew it would be a sales pitch fest, but I went just to see what was going to happen, right? right? And I said to myself, I don't want to attend the sales pitch. I'll just stay home. You know, the, the power of networking and the, the opportunity cost of not knowing is just, it's phenomenal what you can find out there if you put yourself out there. Absolutely. And talk to people, you know, I laugh, uh, I laugh, I follow Grant Cardone quite a bit. And I laugh where he said, your parents always told you not to speak to strangers, right? And it's, uh, it's the complete opposite how our life truly works. You've got to speak to strangers, you never know what opportunities are going to come across your way as it did from that first meeting. Now for listeners out there uh, that are thinking like, you know, I'd really want to ramp up a little bit of my, my networking. What are some of the goals that they should have when uh, they go to a networking event and networking with other folks? And um, what are some of the approaches that you would uh, advise them uh, to use when approaching other investors and other people at networking events? Yeah, great question. So from a goals perspective, I would say first thing to understand is that networking is really a long it, it's it's actually a team sport in my opinion, and it's also really long term philosophy. So if you're going at it, you know, just to kind of get the short term hit, and you, let's say you go to a couple events, you don't really have much success. You're, you're if you have that expectation, it's, you're just not going to be successful in the long run with networking. That's not the way that it works. And actually, I could even tell you that a lot of the people that used to that come to our FIBI meetings, 
they don't even get comfortable 100% opening up to people until they've met them a few times. And I think that's human nature, and I think that's okay. And so my point is that the faces that they tend to see over and over are the ones that tend to gravitate to. So the persistence and the recurring, you know, being there on a regular basis, if you can, to establish that type of relationship, I think is very important. If you can go into it from the start with a long-term uh, mindset, a lot of great things will happen, but you have to be willing to throw up these things up against the wall. You have to be willing to go to a meeting and get nothing out of it. You have to be willing to go to a couple and get nothing out of it. And then maybe on the third or fourth one, you get a really big, great uh, networking, you know, uh, type of event. So that's kind of, in my opinion, it should be long-term goal. Um, another goal, depending on what is, you know, the person's background can easily be learning. Um, you can learn a tremendous amount in, within the networking portion of a meeting about asking people about what are you seeing in the market. If you've got someone you meet who's been flipping homes in Area X for 20 years, say, what are you seeing in the market? That could be better information right there on the ground than you're going to get from any media story potentially, right? It's unfiltered. Right. It's real time. So there's a lot of learning that can be done within a networking. Um, and that's another goal that I would say. And another thing too is that I always tell people, if you're going to take the time to come to an event, Let's say you're going to an, uh, an event for the learning. You're going because there's a great speaker, right? And you're there for two hours. I know some people who will go to the meeting and right again, they'll rush out, right? In my opinion, if you're going to take the time to go to the event, just make it a point to meet at least five people, just five people. You don't have to stay for another hour or two to network, but at least do yourself a service of trying to meet several people or more because you never know who you're going to meet. And to me, if you don't do that, that's a huge opportunity cost. You've already taken the time to drive there. You've taken the time to be there. You've got to maximize what you're going to get out of the meeting. So that's really important as well. Um, I think there are some people who are very shy, and I completely understand that. And I would say that um, there's two different types of networking that occur, like when you're approaching somebody just, you know, high level. One is you're approaching a situation where you're talking to somebody one-on-one. -on -one, and the other is you're approaching a situation where there's two or more people already talking about something, right? So right. if somebody's shy, it might be easier to approach someone one-on-one -on -one than to actually break into so a conversation that three people are having, which is definitely harder, but you get used to it, right? So that's right. another piece of advice. If someone's just new and starting, you may want to try meeting the people who are kind of alone as well and probably hoping to meet people, but maybe also are shy, and that's why they're walking around there alone, right? So that's kind of the easier introduction. Um, so I know you asked me about the goals, and what was the other part of the question? Sorry. No, just some of the approaches, because you okay. don't want to come across um, as overly aggressive <laughs> in any shape or way. Uh, yes. uh, but what are some of the approaches that you would recommend people would use in approaching other people, yeah. uh, and especially influencers in a group, because there's always influencers uh, in, a, in, a, in a large group? Yeah, I would say this may seem counterintuitive to a lot of people, but what I've learned over the years is that if you approach networking as how can I help the other person, that is going to be a golden approach to take. Um, so I love asking the question, how can I help you? I don't think it's asked often enough. I think it sometimes takes someone by surprise and it really gets the person to open up to actually want to help you in return as well. Right. right. But be genuine about it. Don't do it just to get them to help you be genuine. Try to help other people because it comes around. I'm a huge proponent of that philosophy. I've seen it you know, happen in my life over and over again. So to me, one of the number one strategies is to approach networking as how can I help anybody, everybody who's in the room, right? And that will come back around to you. I promise you that that will come back around. So that's definitely kind of point number one. Point number two, which is the exact opposite, is do not go in like you're kind of the salesperson you're picturing, right? The car salesman, the person that we're all picturing, 
Don't go in there with a stack of 100 pamphlets and just say, without even trying to get to know somebody, say, oh, here's what I do. You know, you could buy home for me. Here's my card. Here's my pamphlet and walk away. Because if you're not even taking the time to learn if somebody's the right fit, you're literally handing your sales materials to nine out of 10 people that don't have no interest in what you're doing. Right. And you're rubbing nine out of 10 people the wrong way. And the one out of 10 people who are left who maybe asked the other nine out of 10 people what they thought of that person at that exact event, it's going to be a negative type of, you know, first um, encounter and uh, first opinion. So I would say, even if you're really, let's say you're, you're working for someone and you're getting compensated for handing out those pamphlets, right? Um, or you're getting compensated for selling a certain, having a certain sales goal. Take the time to learn to find out what someone else is doing. Ask people what they're doing, what they're up to. You'd be shocked at how interesting it is to meet people with varied backgrounds. One of my favorite things is learning about what other people do, what other what people did even before they started in real estate, for example. You meet, I mean, I've met fascinating, I've met people, one of the first 100 founders of Microsoft just recently, just from a networking, you know, happens to be that person. I, I can go on and on about these types of people that I've met. You'd be shocked at sometimes who you find in the room. And then when you start to learn what other people do, you may have commonalities with them. You may have been in the same industry. You may be lived in the same area, same hobby. And these kinds of, of topics are important too, because it allows you to make, create a connection with somebody and they'll be more apt to open up to you and more, more frankly, more apt to network with you in the long run. So there's all these different things that you want to incorporate, but if you can approach it like, I want to understand, I want to learn who these people are and I want to help them as much as possible. Those are the two things to keep in mind and it will come back and will definitely be a huge benefit, even if it sounds counterintuitive right now. Right. So many, so many good points because uh, uh, in the e this ecosystem that we're existing to, it's, it's amazing how connected we are, you know, just using LinkedIn and Facebook of, you know, people that you become friends with and, oh my goodness, well, they know so-and-so that, that I also know and are friends of. I think in Hollywood, they always joke around about the, what is it, Kevin Bacon, I think, or some, something. Oh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's sort of connected to him. So to yeah. your point, we're all connected in some way or another, and you'll be surprised um, how paths cross, especially uh, in the investment world. And the other good point that you shared that I just want to reiterate, it's so powerful that, you know, it sounds kind of um, – when you first start saying it is ask other people what they want and it first, it will resonate with people. But once you see it in action and you see people that are truly connectors in networks uh, and, and the influence that they wield, it is extremely powerful. And they became those people of trying to get other people get what they want, you know? Um, so uh, for listeners out there, uh, to Jeremy's point, make a note. If someone's saying like, you know, I struggled with uh, with my tax guy. I'm just using that in a, as an example. Could be any other professional. Could be any other thing that they're wanting. Keep a, keep an eye on, uh, an ear on the ground and your eyes open because you might know of someone that they could use, recommend to them, introduce them or connect the two of them. Uh, so a lot of powerful points that you just made. Yeah, and I just I want to add one more too that comes to mind as you're mentioning all the re recapping all these points. You know, the the approach of networking as the world in abundance instead of scarcity is so important. And I don't know if that makes sense to you, MC, but yep. I, I deal with this all the time because I'm constantly networking with people and I see how they react. And some of them react in abundance, and some of them react in scarcity. And actually, frankly, more often they react in abundance, which is fantastic. But 
I just want to explain what that is for the people who aren't familiar with it. So the idea of abundance is that say that I, um, I, at my ATM uh, guy that I mentioned, okay, that I invest with, you can have the attitude of look, I don't want to tell anybody who it is because I want to get all the machines I can for myself, right? That's kind of the scarcity attitude. In other words, I have a scarce resource and I don't, I want to protect it, right? Another approach is, you know, this, this guy's a great operator. I want to help other investors. Well, I, well, is it possible that I may not get as many machines as I would have had I not shared him? Yes. But, you know, networking is a team sport. So if I open the door to other people um, that's helping these other investors, some of them are probably going to help me in the long run. So the whole idea of abundance is, yeah, if I meet somebody who's interested in ATMs, I'll refer them off to my ATM operator. And um, even though it might hurt me in some way, the abundance is that you understand that just like you're kind of trying to help other people, it's the same idea that there is so much out there for everybody. There's not a lack and a scarcity of things out there. And so you can afford to give some of your stuff away because there's a lot of other stuff out there. And frankly, if you open a lot of doors, people open those doors for you. And that's a huge principle in networking. And it kills me when I see someone operating at a scarcity because I consider it unnecessary with the amount of things that are out there and they're just shooting themselves in the foot. And so I hope that makes sense the way I describe it. MC, if you have anything more to add on this topic, it's a really, really important topic to have that mindset going into it. You're listening to Jeremy Roll on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. You're listening to Jeremy Roll on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. So important. I'll I'll add to that by just saying too that especially in today's age, this pie is so big. <laughs> it's enormous. There's so yeah. much out there for all of us. Um, and by supporting each other and collaborating, you know, I've often mentioned that uh, collaboration is the new norm in the information age. And uh, to to give you a personal uh, story of myself too where uh, I have people that are in the same space as I am as mentors that I connect with on a monthly basis to share best practice with. I'm doing business now that in the old uh, scarcity mindset, people would consider us to be competitors in the same space or the space. We're doing business together now because we understand how big this pie is and uh, we, you know, uh, how do they say, you know, let's let this tide is so big. Let's raise all the boats out there uh, and go after this together. Um, I think uh, it, it's such a key point. It's going to change uh, your life really in every single aspect. Once you make that switch and realize how big, uh, how big this world is, how much opportunities there are uh, and how many people there are uh, that you can network, network with uh, and connect uh, in many places in the world. Um, now, <laughs> let's talk about your primary work focus because essentially uh, you almost have a full-time job as as doing networking and networking. So can you talk about your primary focus and what does a day look like for you, Jeremy? Yeah, so um, I consider myself to be practically a full-time networker. And what I mean by that is 
I'm always, so, you know, I'll just give you my very quick story. And I think, I don't know if I went through it in more detail on your other podcast, I may have, but um, so basically I, I was in the corporate world for many years. Uh, I have an MBA from the Wharton school, uh, did over 10 years of corporate experience uh, back in 02 after the dot-com crash. Um, I was sick and tired of the stock market for two reasons. One was the volatility. I, I'm just, I'm a really low risk, slow and steady guy to watch the market go up and down 30% in a year just didn't make sense for me. And the other thing that bothered me even more was a lack of predictability. So I started rotating my money into passive cash flow for that predictability, into lower risk passive cash flow. And I got out of the corporate world in 07, thanks to the, to the cash flow. So since 2007, I've been full-time what I call a passive cash flow investor. And what that means is that I constantly have to network to find opportunities to reinvest my capital so I can continue my cash flow stream so I never have to go back to the corporate world. So that's why I'm pretty much a full-time networker because I have to find opportunities full-time that requires me to network to do it. Um, now, I also manage my own investor group, private investor group, and that's kind of a secondary focus for me. I send a couple uh, opportunities to my group each year, but most of it just for my own um, investing. But either way, it's networking no matter what because I'm just trying to find opportunities, be it for myself and or for my group. So um, I, I network full-time uh, and t- there's typically three different types of people I'm talking to. I'm either talking to Operators or sponsors are called who manage these passive opportunities. You're looking for investors. That's one. Two is I'm networking with um, other investors who um, individual investors, I should say, who are either looking for opportunities or who have opportunities that I know, or maybe we're they're swapping opportunities to discuss what we think of them. Um, so you know, I, I'm actually I, I'm very happy to talk to new investors to help them. That's a constant phone call I have throughout the day just people understanding passive investing because I've been doing it 15 years. So that's another uh, part of it there. And number three is I might be talking to other investor groups. Um, And those investor groups are also looking for opportunities. Sometimes they're evaluating deals. uh, And, you know, to your point, they could be considered a um, competitor or, you know, I could partner with them. And so essentially I've been basically practicing partnering with them out of abundance and, you know, I've seen other groups who, and it kills me when I see a group that's kind of like, I want to find a deal, all of them for myself, right? There's so many out there that's unnecessary. And, you know, to me, one plus one equals three, whether it's that we can combine our groups together and actually invest in an opportunity together that we couldn't have done ourselves, or whether we can find, help each other to find more opportunities. So I'm, I'm constantly talking to those people well, but all three of those points are networking, all of them. And that's basically what I do full-time. It's all full-time networking. No, that and that's so true. And you touched on again that abundance thing. And I, I'm just looking around and and uh, and think about my neighborhood. You know, I don't want to compete with my neighbor. I want my neighbor to be as prosperous as my neighbor can possibly be. And I'm trying to do the same thing too because prosperous neighbor neighbors uh, form prosperous communities, and prosperous communities form prosperous towns and and uh, townships and cities, right? And then countries. So again, to that raising all type uh, type of boats. The other thing that I also wanted to tie into is uh, what uh, what advice would you give to listeners out there? Because um, this is a question that um, that I've gotten to of reaching out to people that they want to to meet. You know, there's there's a lot of people online right now putting out content and and so forth too, which is a big thing as well. We want to surround ourselves with people and meet and interact um, with people. Uh, that are like-minded um, and that are on the same path as us. And all these people are, are extremely approachable in, in my uh, experience. What would you say to someone uh, uh, about reaching out just to other folks out there to just pick up a phone or an email or, or contact them through their website and so forth? 
Yeah, first thing I would say, and that's a great point. I, I actually, the first thing I would say is that I believe that there's actually a lot less people reaching out to these people than I think people assume, right? And I right. can say this because I'm on a lot of different podcasts and I see, you know, sometimes people will contact me after I'm on a podcast. But if you look at the listener ratio, the amount of people who listen to the podcast supposedly versus the amount of people that contact someone on the podcast, it's a very low ratio. And what right. that tells me, it has nothing to do with podcasts, it's just how many people are willing to go and reach out to someone randomly when that could be a really beneficial thing for them. So I agree with you. And I think a lot of people are very approachable. Um, what I would say, the first thing is, everyone likes to be contacted a different way. And frankly, some people are better be contacted certain ways than others, it's going to increase your probability of reaching them. So um, I'll give you an example. Some people, for whatever reason, prefer to receive texts, right? If they receive a text right. message, they're going to respond. But if they receive an email, they get a 1000 emails, they may never get to it, right? Right. right. Other people prefer to have a phone call, right? They're, maybe they're structured in a way they prefer to get a call, but if you email them or text them, they're not going to respond. So, And some people prefer to be contacted via their social media platform or through a contact us form on a website because that's the way they've managed their, to, be, to be able to handle the capacity, right? And Right. So the first thing is try to understand the, the way the person is preferred. Like educate yourself on what is their preferred contact methodology, and I would follow it. So... If, if somebody prefers, like I prefer to receive an email, that's the most manageable. If you call me, I am scheduled back to back to back all day long. People who know me know, know that very well. And if someone tries to randomly call me, they're probably not going to get me. Um, and if I'm going to get back to them, I'm probably not going to call. Them. I'm probably going to email them because that's the, the best way I can manage all of the, the, um, the flow of people and everything that I have. So, um, you know, it's very important that you respect the way that somebody would prefer to be contacted because you're going to have the highest probability of success for yourself. If you try to call me, you're really to blame in terms of frustration if you can't reach me because that's not the best way to reach me. And I don't mean me in particular, but I'm just using myself as an example, right? Right. That's kind right. of number one. Um, number two is, you know, how you approach the call or the email will really depend on your goal. Um, so, there, like, if somebody contacts me as a new passive investor and they just want to get more information about how a passive investor works, I'm investing works. I'm more than happy to do it. I'll end up scheduling a call with them and just take the time to explain it to them. And that's great, right? But if somebody contacts me to um, send me a new opportunity they have because they want an investor, I'm not going to get on the phone and have a call with them about it. That's too inefficient for me. I'm going to require that they send me their opportunity in writing and I can actually filter it out within three minutes and figure out if it's something I really want to look into or not. Much more efficient for me. I'll be able to do it at 11 p.m. if I have to, right? So it depends right. on what you're contacting the person for. So that's a tougher question to answer as far as the, the specific approach. Um, but I think the most important takeaway here is just be sure that you contact someone in a manner that's going to be the best for them to increase the probability you're actually going to hear back from them and actually connect with them. So just some action items for my listeners. Uh, what would you recommend? Go on to meetup.com is a good place to start. LinkedIn groups and so forth uh, to get started in their local network uh, of, of their interests. Yes. I mean, meetup.com, um, I think is still a fantastic platform. There's such a critical mass on there. If you live in a major city like L and you type in real estate meeting, you will have many more meetings you can ever go to physically. <laughs> uh, a lot of them overlap on the same days. So that's a great place. Even if you're in a smaller city, I think now it's, it's gone to the point where it covers a very big portion of the U.S. Um, LinkedIn groups can be great too. I think one of the challenges with the group, sometimes you have to join them depending on what they are, but um, I do think they're out there too. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I, I personally use Meetup still. It works really well in a larger city like LA. There's just an endless amount of things to do. Great for hobbies and stuff too. And there's 
if you've never been out to meetup, you've got to go check it out. You'd be shocked. Like if you're into cars, there's car meetups. If you're into shooting pool, you want to go like, you know, surfing with people or hiking, or you want to go learn about real estate. You want to go meet venture capital. I mean, there's literally endless amounts of topics on there. It's fantastic. Yeah. We've never, ever been so, um, so connected as we are right now. So meeting other people, interacting with other folks and, and going to networking events, there's a ton of networking opportunities uh, to start building your network. Now, Jeremy, as a final question, you've clearly uh, been networking with thousands and possibly tens of thousands of people over the last 15 years uh, in your real estate focus. What's the number one takeaway that you can leave with our listeners uh, for today's show when it comes to network and building your network? Yeah, I would say that whether it's in person, you've already connected with someone on the phone, whatever it is, the number one thing I can recommend is always ask somebody in every conversation, how can I help you? Um, I think it just opens a lot of doors. Uh, and frankly, like it's a great feeling to help people. A lot of people probably agree who are listening to this. So make sure you offer that up. It always makes a great impression. Um, you generally might be able to help them in a great way to them, a meaningful way to them. And it'll definitely open a lot of doors for you um, in terms of breaking the ice and other things. So that's like the number one thing that comes to mind. And I guess the number two similar is, you know, on the flip side, don't just come in, bring your pamphlet, not learn about the other person. Just try and like shove a product down their throat. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It, it doesn't, especially in today's society, it really doesn't work. So yeah. definitely stay away from that. And if, if that's what you're used to doing, maybe think about other strategies you can use that are, that'll be more effective. Absolutely. And as you've mentioned before, play the long game. You know, you've been doing this for 15 years. You didn't do this for three months and expect instant results. So regardless of uh, our instant gratification uh, world that we're living in, this is the long game. And uh, building relationships takes time. Building trust takes time. Uh, And uh, as you shared uh, that gem of a story earlier, you never, ever know what uh, what could happen potentially when you be- meet a network with people. Yes, I could not. That's a very good point. I really should have mentioned that. The long-term mindset, I cannot stress that more. You know, when we had our meetings at Starbucks to begin with, probably took me about a year to the point where it even made sense to rent a conference room. I'm talking about every month going, not knowing if there'd be three people there or maybe if I got lucky, eight people there, right? And look right. what it's turned into. So it's a very long-term mindset. Anybody who's looking for a short-term gain at a networking I don't know if this is the right thing for you for that purpose, really. There might be other things you can do, maybe look online and, and sell other selling techniques or whatever. But this is definitely long-term, just like MC said. I cannot stress that enough. But the, the things that occur over the long term are mind-blowing. No matter what your expectations are, you will never, like the amount of stories I have, the success I've had, thanks to networking, I could have never predicted. I can't predict what's going to happen in the future. I just know good things are going to happen. And if you go into it with that mentality, with the abundance mentality, good things will definitely happen. Absolutely. And with those big goals too, have to have that long uh, term thinking and, and, and very, very long term planning uh, as they, you know, come, being from South Africa, as they say, how do you, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. That's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much. A blast again, connecting with you. And thank you so much for coming on the show and, Uh, sharing this extremely valuable information around a very, very important uh, topic. Again, uh, your financial capital is uh, your mental capital times your relationship capital. Uh, And so thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing uh, this uh, valuable information and providing so much value for my listeners.
Yeah, no problem. MC, I just want to thank you for taking the time to have this podcast. It's a very similar approach to someone running a networking meeting. You're kind of throwing <laughs> it out there. I'm sure you get a lot of great networking out of it, but you're doing a great service for free for people, which is fantastic. You've had some great people on the podcast. So just want to thank you as well. It's been great. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guest Jeremy Roll and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. Many of our listeners have taken action and received a personalized game plan of how to collapse time in their financial plan and become financially free in 10 years or less. If you're interested in a personalized game plan and a custom roadmap to achieve financial freedom in 10 years or less, you can register for a free webinar at cashflowtactics.com forward slash ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life. So if there's any way that I can provide more value for you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gashku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you do become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and that awesome Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron at CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. Geld Inc. is a multifamily owner which has acquired over 6,700 apartment units valued at over $1 billion through a private equity syndication model. Banking on the renter revolution amongst millennials and baby boomers, all-time low home ownership rates, and a major shortage of well-located apartments at affordable price points, Gelt has provided its investors with consistent cash-on-cash returns while maintaining and enhancing equity invested for the long term. For more information on how to achieve sustainable yield for the long term, you can email Josh Satin at josh at geltinc.com. Smart investors know that the banks actually don't own most automatic teller machines. In fact, the opportunity for private investment provides stellar passive returns, figures in the double digits, with the added bonus that most of the income is tax-free. Who wants to walk blindly past an ATM and not cash in on that opportunity? ATM machine ownership brings you a steady stream of hands-off passive income. Dave Zook and the Real Asset Investor team have been providing opportunities for investors in this uptrending activity of ATM use. If you're an accredited investor and would like more information on how you can invest in this exclusive asset class that very few investors will ever have access to, sign up for your free webinar on how to create income streams from ATMs at cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. 
Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They have designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you want to create an income stream of 8% on your cash or money in your self-directed IRA within 90 days in real estate without finding the property, fixing it up, finding a tenant, and all the other management headaches that comes along with it, you have to watch the private lending presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning in the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 